So this is our final week on the road, uh, this series, and I, I, I love, you know, when I think about the road, I, I think, man, if you go all the way back, I, I don't know a lot about, you know, the Oregon Trail, but I remember the video game. It wasn't a video game. It was like a computer game, and it was like, you know, in school, anybody like play the game where it's like one of those black screens and it's just green? Like, that's how computers were, right? Like, just, that's what you typed in. It was black and green, and like you had a game. I don't know, we had this Oregon Trail floppy disk that we would pop in at computer time, and it was amazing. Some of you are like, this is a foreign language. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, floppy disk, that's what we used back then. I should have brought one to show you. Um, and we would play this game, Oregon Trail, and you're just, you're paving the way, you know, from the East Coast to the West, and, you know, you're dying from typhoid, dysentery, that's the one. I thought it was typhoid fever, dysentery, that's the common... Uh, Common cause of death on the Oregon Trail, all right? And you're, you know, you're looking for buffalo and you're hunting and you're, you know, trying to get supplies and goods, but you're, you're paving the way. And as a kid, I, I thought, man, this game is awesome. This is incredible. Like, you know, we get to go like all the way across and you're traveling, you know, America back before, you know, the roads had been paved, back before it was easy to just, you know, get in a plane and fly from point A to point B or to drive, you know, on the interstate 80 miles an hour, you're going on this rickety wagon, and you're, you know, you're, you're literally paving the road for future generations. That's what, well, you know, not us, we were playing a video game. But the people that literally did it, you know, it's incredible when you actually think about those people and what they did. They chose to leave what was comfortable. They chose to leave their home, their lives, everything they knew. It's like they had made it to America, but they said, you know what? We want to keep going. We, we want to go further. And so they kept going, and they paved these roads that nobody had really traveled. And they went away where they didn't really know, hey, you know, we'll kind of see how it goes. Uh, it didn't go well. Dysentery, obviously, all right? Uh, life on the road is difficult. Paving the road is difficult. And as I was thinking about that, I, my mind kept thinking about this passage. And once again, sorry, my uh, tech team, I, don't even, I didn't even give you this one. This one just hit me this morning during worship. Matthew 17, verse 1. If you're following along, if you've got a Bible, uh, man, great. You can open up. You can look there. You can look on your phone. If you don't have one, uh, we'll get you one. We, that's one of our things. We always try to put free resources over here on the table uh, we got some great kids' Bibles. we got all kinds of stuff. But, you know, that stuff, that's free. We want to get good resources into people's hands that can help them grow in their relationship to Jesus. So, chapter 17, verse 1, follow along with me here. Six days later, Jesus took Peter and the two brothers, James and John. This was his inner circle right here. Okay, there were the 12 disciples, and then there were like, you know, his boys, like, hey, these are my guys, James and John. They even had a nickname, Sons of Thunder, Peter, the Rock. You know, the, these three, you know, that's how you know you're in with Jesus when he starts handing out nicknames to you, okay? So these guys, inner circle, and he takes these guys up on this high mountain to be alone. Verse two, as the men watched, Jesus' appearance was transformed so that his face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. Suddenly Moses and Elijah appeared and began talking with Jesus. Moses and Elijah just, like they appear and begin talking with 
Jesus. I, I, I don't know, you know, I was talking to my buddies about this recently, actually. We were just texting the other day about this passage, and, uh, and they all went to Bible college, and so we'll kind of talk about some of this stuff sometimes. One of them said, like, how did these guys know, like, that was Moses and Elijah? Did, like, did they have name tags on, or it was just like, wow, they looked exactly how we thought they would? I, I don't know, but there they are. Jesus talking to Moses and Elijah. Peter exclaimed, Lord, it's wonderful for us to be here. If you want, I'll make three shelters as memorials, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. I'll make three shelters. But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. The disciples were terrified and fell face down on the ground. I, when I read that, I, I think, you know, these, these shelters that Peter was talking about building, I, I think that's our mindset sometimes. Like, we, we don't want to pave roads. We don't really want to explore. We like the idea of it. Man, we love reading stories about people who have paved roads and, you know, people who have traveled from, you know, one end of the continent to the other and, you know, just, you know, people who are doing great adventurous things but when we actually think in our own lives, do I want to do that? Like, it sounds great, but really, what do we want to do? We, we want to build shelters. We want to put up walls and put up a roof and get comfortable and settle in. He wants us to live life on the road, making a new road, making paths, helping people find the way, the truth, and the life. But we as believers, we just kind of want to put up shelters, and we just want to settle down, and we want to get comfortable. And I'll tell you, that's one thing. In year one of revival, uh, in the very beginning, I thought, we need a shelter. Like, we, we need walls. We're in the Midwest. It's cold out here. Like, we need our own spot. But I think more and more over this past year, he's just been showing, no, 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 no. I, I'm your provider. I want you on the road. I want you paving new roads to new people that I'm calling back home. Man, there's, there's things he does on the road that he can't do when you live in the comfort of the shelter. He wants to do something great, but transformation, it happens on the road. Jesus said, he told those guys, hey, we're not staying here on the mountain. This is not where my ministry ends. We're getting back out on the road. In fact, go ahead, go to the end of Matthew. Matthew 28, uh, verse 16. Then the 11 disciples, they left for Galilee. This is after the resurrection. They're going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped him. But some of them doubted. That's crazy. Like, literally, they, should, they saw this guy die and get buried in the tomb. And now they see him alive. And some of them still doubted. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go... Go, get back out on the road again. Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you, and be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That, that's got to be a crazy thing. Like You see this guy who is crucified on the cross, he is buried in the tomb, and now he's resurrected, and now you are here on this mountain with him hanging out. I'm sure there was a lot of disciples thinking, man, this is it. 
Peter was probably thinking, hey, let's put up some shelters. Like, this is it. We got our kingdom. Our king is here. And he said, no, no, no. Now's not the time to settle down. Now's the time to go. And what you see now, let, let me show you this. This is something like, once again, we've been talking this past month. Some of you, you've been here for this whole series. You know it already. You know where I'm going with this. Some of you, if you're new, let me tell you. This word that we see throughout the New Testament, it's called hodos. And this word means path. It means road. So anytime you read in the New Testament, you read the, the word road. It, that's this word, hodos, this Greek word. In English, we, you know, they translate it in multiple different ways. They translate it path, road, way, journey. Okay, it's used all these different ways. Go to Acts uh, let me see here, the first one, 9, verse 2. Acts 9, verse 2. So he has told them, go and make disciples of all nations. Acts is the birth of the church, the early church. This is life on the road. Acts chapter 9, verse 2. And this is the very first time when somebody refers to this early group of believers, the early church, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and very eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest, verse 2 here, he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of, any followers of the way, hodos. That's what they called the early church. The early church was the hodos. They were the way. Like, I, I mean, that's just an awesome name, right? Like, every, everybody that's ever planted a church, you know, every church planter, I know this now because I've lived it. Like, you, you want to have, like, this really cool, unique name, uh, like, something that just, like, oh, man, like, people are going to know, like, you know, we're just best church in town. I don't know, you know? And so uh, I, I think, man, looking back at that, I think that is such an awesome thing to be known as. Like, we are followers of the way because who did J Jesus say he was? He said, I am the way. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And that was what they were following. And that was the life they were living. They were living life on the road, following Jesus by faith. Life on the road is not comfortable. Anybody that's ever taken a road trip with kids under five years old, you know life on the road is not fun, right? Like it's hard sometimes. There's good moments. There's some great moments even. I know there's one family in this church. They, uh, Kevin, where'd you go, man? Like, where, where'd you go? Alabama? And you guys were like packed into like, what, a camper? 11 in a 10-passenger RV. That's life on the road. Like, it, it's not easy. It, it's, you know, probably fun at times, but there's challenges that come up. Uh, there's little kids that have to go to the bathroom, and, you know, there's all kinds of little things that happen along the way. And sometimes I think we get so caught up in trying to get, the get to the destination, we forget to enjoy walking by faith on the road while we're on the way there. And so this is something I keep thinking recently. Uh, I, I, I keep getting asked this, like, man, where, where do you guys want to be? Where do you want to settle in? You know, are you excited about the possibility of like, man, you know, putting down roots and being in one spot as a church, building a shelter. 
And at first, I really was. I thought, man, that's what we need. But more and more, I, I just keep thinking, I, all I know is right now, in this season, Jesus has called us to live life on the road, to be the way, to be on the road with him, trusting him one step at a time, one week at a time. And I think, I, I don't want to miss this season right now. This is a special season that we're in. Don't get so caught up looking ahead to the next season that you miss the season he's put you in right here and right now. Because even in the struggles, even in the hard moments, even in the times where you're kind of wondering, this doesn't make a lot of sense right now, he is doing something. In fact, he's doing his greatest work typically when we are at those moments of doubt, when we're at those moments of difficulty, when we're at those moments of challenge. That is when he is refining us in the fire. And so don't be discouraged looking ahead to where you want to be. Live right now in this moment and embrace the road he's put you on. Whatever you're going through, he is walking with you in this moment. And so I, you know, there's a lot of times where I think, you know, our crew, we get here. I wake up at 5 a.m. on a Sunday, and I go, and I pick up this trailer, and today I we got this new trailer. It's bigger. It's better. We can hold more stuff. It's awesome. I didn't have all the right, you know, stuff on my car. You know, you need a brake controller. You know, I sound really smart talking about this. I'm just learning this all this week. I didn't have it all installed yet, and so it didn't get installed in time, and so I, you know, I call up one of our guys from the church that I know has a truck, and I'm like, hey, man, you want to show up at 6 a.m. tomorrow and help me? And he's like, yes. I'm like, okay, we're, we're doing this. And so, you know, we meet together at this storage unit, and we get this trailer hooked up, and we come out here, and we, you know, we, we clean up. And, you know, some of you are like, you call this clean? Well, it looks better than it did when we got in here, all right? Uh, and we set up chairs, and we set up sound equipment. And, you know, there's, you know, a whole crew that comes and does this. And I... I I just said this last week. I said, man, I think, you know, someday, you know, wherever God wants us, he'll put us. But I think we'll always, if he puts us somewhere someday, I think we'll look back on these days and we'll say, man, remember how much fun that was? Like, remember how special that season was? Remember, man, like how God worked and moved even in through some of those difficult moments or those challenges or even those hard mornings when we didn't want to wake up at 5 a.m. Man, it was worth it every Time, it was worth it to follow him, to keep walking the road that he's put us on. So I, I'm telling you, if you're new to this church, I, I want you to know we live life on the road. That's why we have this texting service that we talk about every week. Uh, we, we want you to know where we're at. And, you know, there's times where we settle into a place and, you know, we, our friends here at, at View on State, they've let us be here for two months. It's been great. We love these people. They're great to us. Um, but man, this next season, there's going to be a little bit of travel again. You know, the weather's getting nice. And I, I can't even tell you, like, how many people, like, in the last couple months have come up to me and said, when are we getting back to the park? When are we going to the park? It's like, all right. Like, let's embrace it. Let's get back and let's get on the road again. Because this is who he's called us to be, to live life on the road. Someday he might tell us to build a shelter. But I, I think even if we get a shelter someday, even if we get our own spot, it's going to be a home base to work out of and to move out of. It's not going to be a place to settle in. Okay? There, amen. Come on, man. Give me that amen. All right? Come on, church. We're not going to settle in because he's called us to the road, to be the road to people that he's calling home. Okay? We're not going to build 
shelters. We've been called to be the way. All right. I did Acts 9 too. I, I want to look at just a couple of these other verses here before we close out this morning. Uh, Acts 19, 8 through 10. These are all the places where the church, the early church, is referred to as the way. And I just wanted to look at these today. Acts 19, verse 8. Flip on a few pages there. Paul ministers in Ephesus. Then Paul went to the synagogue and he preached boldly for the next three months. Okay, it's a, this is what the early church would do too. They, they would show up and they would go to the temple and, and man, they, they, he would just preach. And he was arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. And this is also one thing I love about the way, the road, the early church. Like he went right into the Jewish synagogue and he would preach about Jesus. And I thought, man, how cool has that been in the early life of our church that he's called us and he's given us a spot in the Jewish community center in Omaha, Nebraska, where we can go and we can preach about Jesus. Like I think only God, like only God comes back and revisits some of these old storylines and gives a little nod to the movie he's writing. He's a great director. He's the best there ever was. And so here we go, rejecting his message and publicly speaking against the way. So Paul left the synagogue. When they, when they finally said, hey, it's time to go, you got to get out of here, Paul left and he took the believers with him and then he held daily discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus cousin of Tyrannosaurus Rex. I don't know, you know, that's just the name back then, all right? This went on for the next two years so that people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. This is another interesting one right here. Like this is, they're, they're using a lecture hall, okay? And, and they have to use this lecture hall at a time that most likely it wasn't being used by Tyrannus when he was given, you know, uh, you know, talks on dinosaurs, whatever he was doing. All right, and so it's just, you know, kind of like a university, a college lecture hall. And so they would go and they would use it. And it was during this kind of 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. hour, like this time period, uh, which, you know, in that culture, it was like a siesta. Like that was what they would do. You know, you would work early in the morning and then you would go and you would, you know, you would have a time of rest. But there was this group of disciples, followers of the way, who were dedicated, and so what they would do is they would do their work in the morning, but then instead of going and taking a nap, taking a rest, like they would come to this lecture hall, and they would sit down, and they would sit under the teachings of Paul for two years they did this. Like some of us in here, it's like, oh man, we've been traveling, we've been on the road for a year, this is hard. It's like, hey, we don't know the season that we're in, how long it's going to last. We're, we're Midwesterners, we know that, right? Like, we think we're in spring. We're not really in spring. Or, you know, we think we're in winter. It's 70 and sunny some days. You just don't know. And, and so we don't know, but we're going to embrace every moment of the season we're in, and we're going to stay dedicated to what he's called us to do, to sit under the teaching of his word. And out of this group, this early group, there were churches that sprang up out of some of these young people that were coming and listening to these lectures, and they became some of the early church planters in that area. 
And so there were new churches that were popping up because of their dedication in this season. And so for us today, I would tell you, life on the road takes dedication. It takes dedication to sit under Jesus and his authority and his calling and his teaching that he wants to do and work in your life. Life on the road takes dedication. Once again, you know that if you've been on a road trip, sometimes you just got to get dedicated. Like sometimes you just got to hit those last four hours with no stops and say, hey, we're not breaking. We're not stopping for the restroom. We're not stopping for any more snacks. We're going to make it to where we're going because that's where we have to get to. Okay? And so it takes dedication in those seasons. This went on for the next two years. So the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, they heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people. They were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Man, it was, I mean, this would have been an incredible scene to be a part of this early church and what was happening here. All right, let's go on again. Chapter 19, verse 23. Just down a little ways here. About that time, serious, after, it's been about two years, right? About that time, serious trouble developed in Ephesus concerning the way. There's trouble brewing here in Ephesus. It began with Demetrius, a silversmith, who had a large business manufacturing silver shrines of the Greek goddess Artemis. He kept many craftsmen busy. He called them together along with others employed in similar trades and addressed them as follows. Gentlemen, you know that our wealth comes from this business. That's what they did. They built little idols and they sold them to people so they could worship in their homes and they could worship at their place of business. They could put up these idols of Artemis. But as you have seen and heard, this man Paul has persuaded many people that handmade gods aren't really gods at all. And he's done this not only here in Ephesus, but throughout the entire province. Of course, I'm not just talking about the loss of public respect for our business. Like, this is like, <laughs> this guy's such a liar. He's like, I'm not, just, I'm not talking about the, you know, the loss of respect for our business. I'm also concerned that the temple of the great goddess, are, you know, he's trying to be really holy, like, I'm concerned about our goddess Artemis, you know? She'll lose its, you know, it'll lose its influence. Artemis, the magnificent goddess worshipped throughout the province of Asia and all around the world, will be robbed of her great prestige. We know these types, like those types of people that, you know, really, you know, they, they tell you on the outside, oh, man, we're concerned about this because it's, you know, it's just a really pure motive. But really, it comes down to their pocketbook. Really, it comes down to money. Really, it comes down to cash flow. They don't get it. They don't see it. Their ears have not heard. Their eyes have not seen. And so at this, their anger boiled, and they began shouting. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Soon the whole city was filled with confusion. Everyone rushed to the amphitheater, dragging along Gaius and Aristarchus. Aristarchus, that's a tough one there, who were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia. Paul wanted to go in too, but the believers wouldn't let him. Some of the officials of the province, friends of Paul, also sent a message to him begging him not to risk his life by entering the amphitheater. When you follow the way, 
It takes dedication. And throughout this dedication, you'll see that there are going to be disturbances that take place. There's going to be disturbances to your own life and your own comfort because it's not comfortable. Like, it's not always easy. It's not always great life on the road. There's going to be days where it's going to disturb some of your comfort. In fact, that's what the way does. He disrupts and disturbs some of the things that we think we need and we desire in this world, the things that we seek after. And it starts to disrupt those around you when you start to change your life to be obedient to the way. When you start to live in obedience to the way, there's going to be people around you that look at it as a disruption to their life. Because you're not the same person you used to be. You're not as much fun as you used to be. You don't spend money the way you used to spend money with us. You you don't do the same things that we do, and now we feel judged because, you know, your actions, you think you're better than us. You think you're holier than us. Sometimes when you begin to follow the way, your life is going to look, no, 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 not sometimes. When you truly follow the way, your life will look dramatically different than those around you in this world. There's going to be some that are going to look at it and say, I want that for my own life. There's going to be some that are going to look at it as a disturbance and a disruption to their comfort, and they're going to want to take it from you. That's where that dedication comes back in. Will you still stay dedicated to the road, to the way, even when disruption and disturbance and distraction, even when it comes at you from every angle trying to attack you? Can you stay dedicated on this road? 22, verse 4. Once again, jump a few chapters here. This is Paul, and he's just right here. All he's doing is he's giving a a summary, uh, a testimony of his life. And he he talks, I'll give you a little context here. Verse 3, then Paul said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus, a city in Cilicia, And I was brought up and educated here in Jerusalem under Gamaliel. As his student, I was carefully trained in our Jewish laws and customs. I became very zealous to honor God in everything I did, just like all of you today. And I persecuted the followers of the way. That's what Paul did in the very beginning. He he persecuted those who followed the way, those that he saw as a distraction or a disturbance to the life he knew pounding some to death, arresting both men and women, throwing them in prison. The high priest and the whole council of elders can testify that this is so. For I received letters from them to our Jewish brothers in Damascus, authorizing me to bring the Christians from there to Jerusalem in chains to be punished. As I was on the road, as I was on my way, Approaching Damascus about noon, a very bright light from heaven suddenly shone down around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. And the voice replied, I'm Jesus of Nazarene. And the one you are persecuting, the people with me saw the light, but they didn't understand the voice speaking to me. I asked, what should I do? And the Lord told me, get up and go into Damascus and there you will be told everything you are to do. 
This moment on the road to Damascus changed his life completely. He, he was going one way, and then he realized, I'm going the wrong way, and he turned his life around in the direction of the way, the truth, and the life. He went from killing the church to building the church. There's people when you are on the road that God is gonna use you in your life. The way you live, the way you speak, the words that you have, he will give you in some of those moments. He's gonna use you to help, have, to help bring people to these moments like the road to Damascus. That's why he wants us to live life on the road because if we stay home in comfort, if we stay home in the shelter, we miss out on the opportunities of life on the road. And he's got, he's got work to be done out there. What did he say in the Great Commission? Go. He didn't say stay. He said go. That means we as the church, we as the way, we live life on the road. I love being at home. Like, right? Like, I, you ever just have those moments where this is how you know you're getting old. On a Friday night, you're like, man, I just want to sit at home, you know, watch a movie and just go to bed at 930. Like, that sounds amazing. Like, I, that's what I feel like doing. But then somebody invites you out, you know, somebody says, oh, come out and do this or, you know, come with us here. And it just sounds like, oh, that sounds like way too much work. I don't feel like doing that. We don't always feel like going on the road. And so sometimes you have to remember this. Choices lead, feelings follow. Anytime I choose to go, like when my friends, when they invite me out on a Friday night, sometimes, you know, my buddy just invited me to hang out, some of our friends from college, and he said, hey, just come out, you know, and just hang out with us for a little bit. And my feelings sometimes say, no, 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 just stay at home and relax. But then I choose because I love these guys and I love our relationships, I choose to go. And when I get there, my feelings follow. And all of a sudden, I made a choice against what I wanted to do, against what I felt like doing. And when I get to the place that God is calling me on the road, I know this is where he wanted me to be. There are feelings that are deceiving that will come in this world. And the feelings are, hey, you just need to be comfortable. You just need to stay home. You just need to be with yourself protected from this world. Don't go out into this world. Stay at home. Stay in the safety of where you feel like you want to be. Feelings are deceiving. Sometimes we have to make hard choices, but I'll tell you what, the hard choices, then they take you on a road that it's an adventure sometimes. It's fun, it's exciting, and when you get to these places he's calling you, all of a sudden you begin to realize, man, the feelings follow. You begin to enjoy it and live in the moment when you make those hard choices to do the things you don't feel like doing. You're not always gonna feel like following the way. You're not always gonna feel like being obedient to the Holy Spirit's voice in your life. But when you choose against yourself, when you choose against those feelings, Man, he takes you on this path and this road that's better than if you had just stayed at home in the shelter, if you had just stayed at home in the comfort. Last one here. Acts 24, verse 10. Paul lived life on the road. 
Like when you look at his life, he, he kind of breaks it down at one point. He's like, I've been in, I've been in prison. I've been shipwrecked. I've been flogged. I've been beaten. Like I, he's been stoned, like everything. Not stoned, but you know, like stoned. All right, that's what they did back then. You know, it's a whole thing. You know, look it up, Google it. All right, and so he went through all these things. Life on the road, it's a difficult path. But man, the way God used him because he was obedient to that voice in his life, the Holy Spirit's voice in his life, he followed the way. Even after all those moments of defeat, even after all those moments of pain, he still chose to follow the way. Chapter 24 here, verse 10. The governor then motioned for Paul to speak. Paul's on trial here. Paul said, I know, sir, that you have been a judge of Jewish affairs for many years, so I gladly present my defense before you. You can quickly discover that I arrived in Jerusalem no more than 12 days ago to worship at the temple. My accusers never found me arguing with anyone in the temple, nor stirring up a riot in any synagogue or on the streets of the city. These men cannot prove the things they accuse me of doing. But I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. The way, following the way to outsiders, it looks like a cult. Which I think some of us in here are like, well, I don't want to be a part of a cult. I don't either, all right? Don't worry. But the life Jesus calls us to it looks crazy to the outside world. It does look insane. It does look like, when they look at it, they look at it and they say, man, that, that looks like a cult. That's what dedication looks like in a world that says, do what you feel like doing, do what you want, do what you desire. Dedication and discipline to follow the way looks like a cult in a world that believes that's crazy. I admit that I follow the way, which they call a cult. I worship the God of our ancestors, and I firmly believe the Jewish law and everything written in the prophets. I have the same hope in God that these men have, that he will raise both the righteous and the unrighteous. Because of this, I always try to maintain a clear conscience before God and all people. When you think about what it looks like to follow the way in your life, it, during this last song of worship, you guys can come on up. Let's get ready for this. Uh, I would just ask him, do I look crazy to the outside world? Is there anybody in my life right now that would look at the way I'm living and say, man, that, that's pretty crazy, that's wild, that's insane? If they found out uh, about some of the things you do, some of the choices you make, is there anybody in your life that would look at that and say, they might be a part of a cult? If not, Maybe you need to step into something uncomfortable this week. Like maybe you're not really following the way because you've been holding back and you just want to play it safe. And you just want to blend in with the rest of the world. You can't follow the way and blend in with the rest of this world. You can't. There's things that he calls us to do that will look crazy to the outside world. Just you right now being here on a Sunday morning, that's one step, to be dedicated enough to say, I'm not going to sleep in. 
I'm going to choose to go and worship my God, and I'm going to choose to dive into his word and listen to what it has to say to me. But now it's time to take that next step. What does it look like to live crazy outside of this room, outside of this group of people? What does it look like to step forward in obedience to what he has for your life? What's it look like to live a life of dedication? When everyone else in this world is going one direction, he's calling you to go the other way. When he's calling you to follow the narrow path. Ask him during this last song, what is it I've been holding back from you that I'm afraid to give you? What's that fear that the world is putting on you and they're saying, man, you, you just need to blend in, you just need to conform, you just need to look like those around you. Holy Spirit's gonna speak something into your life right now in this moment. Let's stand up and pray together as a church. God, we just ask you in this moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our hearts to speak directly to us, to whisper the way that you want us to go, whether to the left or to the right, help us to follow the narrow path. Whatever it is, we've been holding back from you because we're afraid of what the world will think. God, I pray that we would lay it at the altar in this moment, that we would sacrifice it. Whatever our idols are, that we would put them away forever and step forward into crazy faith following your ways and not our own. We love you, God. In your name we pray, amen.